This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, that happened. It's Thursday, May 25th. I'm Adam Booker. I'm Oliver Cool. And this is the City Report Podcast. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. This episode of the City Report podcast is sponsored by Beer Monster, the best place to find your favorite brews for refreshingly low prices. Start the summer off right by ordering one of Beer Monster's draft tap machines so you, the listener, can pour the perfect pint from the comfort of your own home. Listeners to this show can snatch a further five pounds off their next order with the discount code CityPod05. That's CityPod05. UK only, T's and C's apply, drink responsibly. Welcome back to the show, Ollie. We're jumping on here just almost an hour after uh, full time at the Amex. Do you have anything to say about that game? It was um, for a dead rubber. It was it was quite the exciting game. That seems to be a pattern with City. I can remember quite a few um, chaotic games. One one particular one at at uh, St James Park after City had already wrapped up the title. But it it kind of just happened. Yeah, it, I think it's the game we all expected. Really, you know, the two best footballing sides in the country, two of the best in the world, in my opinion, going at it. Um, but you know, the kind of event of it. There was no event. There was no kind of grand stage for these players to be performing on. It was just a really good, a really good, interesting game of football for spectate for neutral spectators, people who appreciate the game. But for the diehard City fans and the diehard Brighton fans, I think it's just more a celebration of what great seasons both teams have had. Um, I'm struggling to think of key moments besides the two goals and a couple of the chances. Um, but you know, there's there's no real bad performers from this game. There's no real outstanding performers. I think it was just two quite well matched teams going at it for ninety minutes, and 
you know, people will have enjoyed it. I enjoyed what I watched of it, but um, I can't say I watched it too intently like like I was, you know, the games last week, for example. Yeah, well, you mentioned the celebrations for both teams, and I think that was pretty evident at the full-time whistle. It kind of uh, just both teams, you know, serenaded by the fans and obviously with, Bright- with Brighton uh, securing Europa League, which is fantastic, by the way. Um, some some great scenes at the Amex. Well, I think it was pretty clear the kind of game we were going to get going in. We obviously got some some early team news earlier in the day with Ruben Diaz, Americ Laporte, Manuel Akanji, um, Nathan Ake. All these players seeming uh, probably still in a stupor somewhere somewhere in Manchester after the Sunday night celebrations. They didn't make the trip down to Brighton. I think probably the main talking point here is is easily the squad and, and Pep starting eleven, and it was somewhat of a star studded starting eleven. I mean, you have John Stones, Kyle Walker, Kevin De Bruyne, Gundogan, Phil Foden, Bernardo Silva, Riyad Mahrez, Erling Holland. But the shape was a bit weird. It looks like Rodri played at center back alongside John Stones. Um, Obviously, we got some substitutions pretty early on with with Cole Palmer coming on, Julian Alvarez coming on, Phillips coming on late for John Stones appearing to have an injury, although it sounds like it's nothing too serious. We'll have our our fingers crossed there. I was a bit, we'll say, annoyed in the first half in the group chat, and I I got a little bit of stick for it because I kind of saw the signs of 2021 when when City had had the, the, the league wrapped up and had a Premier League final, or sorry, a Champions League final on the horizon. And it felt like the momentum was killed a little bit because we saw some erratic lineups, some chaotic games. We saw Scott Carson and Ned at one point, which which was great. But is there a fear of, and obviously there's still Brentford to come at the weekend, which is another you know quote-unquote exhibition game. Is there a fear for you of any of these players losing any of their momentum by playing out of position, playing in these kind of chaotic, you know, games lacking control. I think you could call that a chaotic game, at least in the first half. Is there any fear on your end of, of that possible drop in momentum? I don't think so, because, you know, if any player in the squad can't get themselves G'd up for a Manchester Derby Cup final, then they're more than welcome to leave the club this summer, frankly, in my opinion. Um but, uh, you know, I, th- I think we if this game meant something, if, you know, the title was riding on this or points were riding on this game, I think it would have, you know, the, the lineup would have been a bit different, but I think the overall outcome would have been pretty much the same. I think it would have been just as chaotic. It would have been, you know, Brighton were the only, t- uh, the only team who've come to the Etihad and outmatched us in possession this season. You know, they're a great footballing side and they know how to control the ball nearly as well as we do. Um, they took the challenge to them and I think it would have been the same pretty much whatever lineup either side put out um, but you know these players are professionals they know they've got to get their heads back in the game you know for next week and the and the two and the two finals they're going to do that because you know what player isn't excited by playing a sold out cup final at Wembley or you know playing in the Champions League final for a lot of these players it's their first or second time in in these types of games, you know, it's a huge event. Um, I don't think there's any worries of complacency creeping in or lack of momentum because at the end of the day, you get to the end of this week and it's kind of right. We've ticked off that. And now it's, we know, we know what the focus is. It's to win two trophies. It's not about winning points for the sake of winning points. It's about two trophies that put us in the annals of football history. Um, If any player can't get prepared for that, then what are they doing playing the game professionally? In my opinion, yeah, I mean that that makes total sense. I think 
where I'm coming at it from is is Pep is somebody that, you know, he he always harps on about the rhythm and the momentum. And this is very much a team that thrives when it's playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, week on week. Um, and, you know, the fear is maybe there's some sort of chemistry drop or, or rhythm drop. But like you said, the games on the horizon are just so big that, you know, this is definitely a team that can that can get up for it um, no matter how long they've kind of had to rest or, or go cold. Um, one thing I do want to talk about, and this may be a non-story, but is there any chance of some of these players playing in the Brentford game or, or Chelsea last weekend or, or Brighton this evening? Is there a chance of any of them working their way into Pep's thoughts for the upcoming cup finals? I mean, you look at a player like, Rico Lewis played fantastic against Chelsea, played really well against Brighton again. Phil Foden, two great games from him again. Um, you know, Riyad Mahrez is somebody that seems to perform every single time he comes in off the bench, but he doesn't start the big games at the moment. Um, is there, you know, are these potentially auditions for somebody working their way into that starting 11 for the big games? Or is, is that 11 just absolutely nailed on, picks itself, won the Madrid tie, won the Bayern tie, won the Arsenal game, um, and you stick with that? Or or do some of these players maybe have something to play for in the coming days? I, I, th- I think there is. I mean, I don't think a City eleven is ever guaranteed, you know, especially with Pep. We, we've seen the wild things he's done over the years. Um, but I think I think it matters more for some other, for, for some players more than others, um, more so for the FA Cup final. I think that, could, that will be the game where if Pep's going to make changes to his expected 11 I think that could be it um, I'm looking at Stefan Ortega you know he's played the whole FA Cup campaign um, he started the last two Premier League games he's got three Premier League starts now all within this last kind of few weeks um, so it wouldn't it wouldn't be a surprise to me if he was the got if he was in net at the FA Cup final um, Pep's made that call before in in you know League Cup finals FA Cup finals he's played the backup keeper uh, the only one I can think of was when we uh, won both of them in 2019 and he um, put Edison in net for the League Cup final um, over Murich. Um, but that was understandable because Murich hadn't even played senior football for a full season at that point. So um, Rico Lewis as well, I genuinely think he's, you know, I think I, I think he could start again against Brentford. And I think if he plays just as well as he has been, you know, Pep's going to have his hands tied here. Um, and as you mentioned there, Phil Foden and Riyad Mahrez, that's the debate, isn't it? Who starts at right wing? Because I'd be amazed if Jack Grealish didn't come straight back in um, for the two finals. So that leaves one spot on the wing and, you know, and then you've got to contend with Bernardo and how you fit him in the side. And so that that feels an open race to me. Um, and, you know, both Manchester United and Inter play different styles of football. They're both different styles of teams to what we faced recently with our expected 11 um, and then there's a the question of Nathan Acker you know Pep said he's getting better he could be better for Brentford um, and Nathan Acker has been one of our strongest performers he's in top three for the club's player of the season um, you know where does he come back in because Akanji has been so brilliant in that kind of hybrid left back centre back role so you know there's a lot of selection decisions I don't think the 11's anywhere near decided especially for the FA Cup final um, you know I, I don't think we'll be seeing Calvin Phillips start these games. I don't, th- if I had to put money on it, I don't think Rico Lewis would get a start. But if anyone's likely, 
to break their way in. I think I, I wouldn't be shocked if he started at the FA Cup final, for example, because what he brings to the side in terms of, you know, recovering the ball, keeping the ball, getting it up pitch, and, you know, knowing the system, he's almost perfect for it. And you never and you never know. Fingers crossed there's no injuries, touch wood, all of that. But, um, you know, if there's an injury to come, especially defensively, you know, some of those players are going to be licking their lips. It's interesting you bring up Calvin Phillips because I... Going into to the Brighton game, I kind of assumed he was nailed on to start. I thought he played pretty well against Chelsea. Um, and obviously, we're at a point now where trust doesn't really matter um, as far as Calvin Phillips because these games, there's nothing on the line. Simple as that. Are you surprised he didn't start against Brighton? Because I certainly felt like if there was anybody in this squad that was in the red zone as far as fitness and could use the maximum amount of time to to rest their legs, it was Rodri. And obviously he comes in, plays at center back, and, and Gundogan plays in that holding midfield role. Now, whether that's because the likes of Ake and Akanji and Diaz and Laporte didn't travel, um, maybe Pep's hand was forced there. But then maybe Gundogan gets a rest and, and Phillips plays in that holding midfield role. Are you surprised to, to not see him start another game against Brighton? Yeah, I am. Um, I was. I, I mean, I said. I said on the preview yesterday that I thought Calvin Phillips would start, and I and I, and I think he sh- and I think he should have started. Um, you know, after a really solid performance against Chelsea, he kind of felt nailed on for it. But I'm not surprised because you know it's how Pep's treated him all season. You know, he's brought him in for the odd game here and there. And then we've not seen him for a few. Um, you know, and and it was strange that he only got a handful of minutes again at the end. I thought you know when you taking off Kevin De Bruyne at 60th minute when you're taking off Phil Foden, albeit there was a, apparently a problem there. Um, you know, you're thinking, well, surely you get Rodri off. And we've seen Calvin Phillips go into centre-back before. I mean, it's where he started his Manchester City career in pre-season, playing at centre-back. Um, so um, I was surprised, um, and especially with that sort of weird multi-role Rodri was playing tonight, um, going between centre-back, moving up in moving up with John Stones. You know, City have been the team of no fullbacks all season and tonight we were the team of no centre-backs. Um, an interesting juxtaposition there. But um, yeah, it felt interesting that Callum Phillips didn't play tonight because I don't think he's going to play against Brentford. I think that's going to be, you know, we'll probably talk about it later, but I think that's going to be a game where it's a more expected 11, a more full near to full strength 11. And I thought this would be a game where Pep would kind of chance his squad out a bit. And but he he went another way, um. So yeah, interesting call, but not one that we can take too much from. I think. Well, it's an unfortunate one, but it's a, a conversation that I think needs to be had because a lot of people, including me, have kind of made the comparisons to Jack Grealish and and Riyad Mahrez, and you know, take your pick of of the city players that have kind of struggled to break into the team or struggled to gel with the rest of the team in their first season. But I think the difference here is that Pep still played those players. I mean, Grealish still played a ton of football last year. Riyad Mahrez still played a ton of football in his first season. You know, you think of Brighton, you can think of him banging in a, a goal with his his left foot in the top corner of the day we won the league that season. But with Calvin Phillips, it, it does feel a little bit different in the, in the sense that he hasn't played him to try and get him into the team. He hasn't tried to, to work through the issues on the pitch, and whether that's a fitness issue or if it's truly just a lack of trust between Pep and and Calvin, what do you think the the main difference is here between other players we've seen in the past that have needed that first season to bet in, but have actually been given the opportunity to bet in? 
Yeah, it, it is an interesting one. And I think that the three comparisons you can make, uh, you mentioned two there, Grealish and Mares. Um, I mean, it's said every every year that it's a new city attacker needs a year to bed in. Uh, but we've seen it with Rodri in his first year. Uh, the difference yeah. was he he played right from the off, you know, and Pep immediately noticed to go, go into the double pivot, uh, which angered everyone all season long because it just didn't seem to be working. But with all the problems we had at centre-back, it made sense. And, you know, you can kind of look at the, the defensive issues we've had this season, you know, um, and you think it may be another holding midfielder would have helped us out a little bit, especially in that kind of January to Feb, uh, January February point where the team wasn't playing so well. Um, I think it comes down to the, the injury he had, he had at the start of the season. You know, we bought him knowing he had this shoulder problem and it kept recurring, kept coming up. And then he eventually went and got surgery to fix it. And you think in those three or four months when he was out and then obviously went to the World Cup um, and coming back unfit, you know, that that will have annoyed Pepper because that's the time in the season where he knows he can mess around with his squad and he can make changes and find what works and find what doesn't. And he just simply never had the option of Calvin Phillips there for that. And then when Calvin Phillips comes back and he gets fit, Rodri's fully settled. He's playing, the, you know, the, in the form of his life. You can't really take him out because every game mattered at that point. You know, the only game you could really give Calvin was, you know, the game against Southampton in the Carabao Cup, the odd FA Cup game here and there. And, you know, you look at those performances and he was horrific in them. You know, that Southampton game, nobody played well. That uh, The game at Bristol City, even though City won, Calvin Phillips wasn't great in it. Um, so, and, and that will affect Pep's thinking, especially in the title running. So it, it, is, it makes it more interesting that he's had, he's had these sort of free hit games, you know, play, started against Chelsea, played very well, and then had one here against Brighton and, has, and only played about seven or eight minutes. Um, you know, I th- I've got I've gone back and forth on whether he'll be sold in the summer, and I don't think he will be now. Um, but you get you're getting a feeling with Calvin that he's just wanting to get to pre-season next year and start all over again, just wipe the slate clean and just prove he can belong. And he'll have had that year to get to know his teammates, learn the system, even if he's not played in it. And he can hopefully have another go at it and, you know, force his way into Pep's thinking somewhat. But at the end of the day, he's behind Rodri. He was brought as a backup to Rodri. He's, you know, as, as good as he might be, Calvin Phillips, he's not Rodri's level. Um, but the good thing for Calvin, it, just, it doesn't seem to be affecting his career in any way. You know, he's picking up a City paycheck. He's, you know, winning. He's won the Premier League for the first time. And he's still one of Gareth Southgate's main men in the England squad. You know, I don't think he'll be unhappy with how... You know his career is looking at Manchester City. I think he'll be unhappy with how his first years went, but I don't think there's any cause for concern for him personally. I don't think he's going to be thinking, "Oh, I need to move where I'm playing every week." I don't need that yet. Um, but if it's if we're in the same, if we're having the same conversation in a year's time, then that's when the story changes around Calvin Phillips for me. Well, it's interesting you point that out because he did he did speak earlier in the week and and. You know, said that this is absolutely the lowest point of his career and it, the lowest point for him confidence-wise. But on the U.S. broadcast during the title celebrations, Calvin and, and Kyle Walker did a joint interview and Kyle Walker kind of took the mic and, and almost cut the, the interviewer off when he was asking about Calvin's disappointing first season and basically was saying, you know, this is one of the nicest guys that I've ever met in football. He deserves this medal. He deserves to play at this club and be at this club. And so I think there's absolutely confidence in him from the squad. Um, 
which is a huge first step because we've heard from so many ex-pros, whether they've played at Liverpool or United or Real Madrid or wherever it may be, these these big clubs that you're coming into a dressing room with not only egos, but superstars and and players with immense ability. And and Jack Grealish said, said it himself when he first came into the club that he was in his first training session and was just like, whoa, this is this is different. This is absolutely different. And um, yeah, I mean, you're spot on. I think if we get to this point next season, we're having the same conversation, then then the alarm bells will be ringing. But if if Calvin can stay fit through preseason and he can, you know, play some of the opening Premier League games or FA Cup games or some group stage games in the Champions League, then we've seen the flashes that he absolutely is a player. But th- I think the most important thing you mentioned there is that he he wasn't bought to 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 boot Rodri out of the team. He was bought to be a backup for him and. I think the the issue is if we get to this point of the season and Rodri is very much in the red zone and we still aren't seeing Calvin, that's the issue. But um, we'll come on to that another time. We're not even going to do a part one and two here. Um, before we get out of here, I'll, we'll, we'll look a little bit ahead to Brentford because neither you nor I will be on the show uh, tomorrow looking ahead to that game. What do you do if you're Pep? Because it's another dead rubber. Um, I'd have to say I think it probably was a – there's a bit of physical exhaustion after that Brighton game. I mean, it was a dead rubber game, but it was a ding-dong affair. So I, I would imagine there are still some tired legs, especially for the likes of Rodri and Stones and Walker and De Bruyne, players that have played basically week in, week out the entire season. Do you continue to rest and rotate, or you look at this and say, this is the final primer, this is the final kind of almost preseason to cup final season? Um and kind of get the big boys back together and and get that rhythm going again. Yeah, I mean, I, I said I said it earlier that I thought you know the Brighton game would be the last kind of mess around, than the Brentford game it would be full strength. But I think after tonight, um, I think it's going to be another rotated lineup. But we're seeing we'll see different faces come in. So the people who stayed at home, uh, Jack Grealish, um, I'm hoping Nathan Ake will be fit, uh, Ruben Diaz. I think we'll see them come back in. Um, and then it's, you know, the kind of main decisions you're looking at ha- Haaland or Alvarez or Kevin De Bruyne, you know, depending on where Alvarez is targeted, targeted to play. Um, you, and then it's Rodrigo Phillips. Um, I don't think we're going to be seeing a mix up at centre back um, where it's, you know, one cent- where, say, Ruben Diaz alongside uh, Rodrigo Calvin or whoever. Um so it'll be interesting, but I don't think it's going to be a kind of full strength eleven um, after the Brighton game. Um, hopefully, you know the two injury concerns we have from tonight in Foden and Stones. I don't want to. I don't want to see them play a minute. I want to see them, you know, getting massages and all all that stuff on City's YouTube channel. I don't want to see them playing on the pitch. Um, so it's 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 just finding that balance again, isn't it? You know, making sure all the players are, you know, they're not in the red zone, they're at, their loads are all managed, because then again, they'll have a week off, and knowing Pep, he's probably going to give that. That's when he's going to give his day or two off, and he say, come back in on when will it be Wednesday, and then we'll start preparing for Wembley. Um, so it's it's just. Yeah, I don't think I, th- I think I think I can see it just being another type of this game, you know, low scoring because the players aren't the, none of those players are going to be putting in a hundred percent. All of them are going to be terrified of getting injured. All of them know it doesn't really count for anything, and mentally that can be a little bit of a switch in your head goes. But come next week, it'll, that switch will go back the other way. So there's no concerns there. It's just it's another game to get through, and that's about it, really. 
Yeah, I think I, I think I look at this from a little bit of a different angle because I think that at some point between now and Wembley, the team that is going to play against United has to play together for some amount of minutes, whether it's 45, 60, 20, 10, whatever it is. I think that team has to play together at some point, especially given the fact, and I, I mentioned this earlier, where where I get slightly worried is when you have one or two players playing out of position and by the time it comes to Wembley next weekend, it's maybe a month since some of these players have played in the same position that they did against you know Real Madrid or or whoever it was. And I think that's, that's the slight fear for me. But then again... Um, I'm as pessimistic as they come. So is there a side to look at this and say that you you have to play the team that's going to play at Wembley to get that rhythm going? Or is this team kind of just too much of a machine? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that will probably happen at some point with substitutions and stuff. I think we'll probably see at some point in the Brentford game, the back four or three or three, two, however we're going to call it, I think we'll see them play. You know, whether it's half an hour, whether it's the full game, whether it's 10 minutes, I think we'll see the front three that'll, pl- that'll start that game at some point. Um, you know, I don't, I, I, maybe he'll go full strength and just, and just say, you know, I've listened to your podcast, lads. I completely disagree. I want to do what I want to do. Um, cause we do know he watches City Twitter and keeps an eye on City, City's fan social medias and all of that, or has it fed back to him. So you never know. Um, but, I just, I can't see a situation in which he starts, you know, Harlan, Kevin De Bruyne, Ruben Diaz, John Stones, Carl Walker for 90 minutes because, you know, you look at Carl Walker, he's, what, 90 minutes tonight, you know, in two different positions. Rodri played, did he play 90 as well or was it 85 or something, you know, yeah. nearly all of the game. So, you know, it's it's that's where my kind of, you know, my limited knowledge of sports science and, and medicine comes into it. Thinking, just watch the loads, just keep an eye on how many minutes these players are playing, especially the key guys. Um, but I think, I think we'll see. I think we'll see Pep's thinking for the two finals in this last game at some point, um, whether it starts or whether it or whether it ends the game. We'll, I mean, we'll see on Sunday. But um, it's this is the kind of the final. Just it's a hurdle to jump over. And then it's starting to ramp up. And, and and at the end of the day, they'll know in training exactly what the team is. They'll probably be the EDS lads called up to, you know, stand in the middle of the pitch, um, you know, where they expect Man United to press and do all that. Because we know what Pep's like. He's an absolute menace for detail. So he, he'll, he'll know exactly what he's going to do for the Man United game. He'll know exactly what he's going to do for the Inter Milan game. And he'll know exactly what he's going to do for Brentford. Um, every game is equal to him. You know, he's he's probably already thinking about Yokohama in preseason already. He's probably asked the analyst to get him some clips collated. So we know what Pep's like. Um, full full trust in him, whatever he decides to do. But um, yeah, I think it'll probably be another mix-up, really. Um, and, and hopefully Cole Palmer because he's been excellent in these last couple of games. He's been phenomenal. All right, that will do for us today, Ali. I appreciate you getting uh, somehow getting through twenty-five minutes with me there. <laughs> no problem at all. That was quite fun. Before we get out of here, please hit follow, hit subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review. That is the best way for us to get this show out to more blues like you. We'll be back tomorrow for a more in-depth look at the Brentford game and everything else that comes on the horizon. Until next time, see you later.
Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.